Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Hashira Half Hour. Today is a very special day. I am your host, who is currently swimming in a puddle of my own tears, Hannah. And I am always joined by Emily and Brian. Hello, friends. Boy, oh boy, are we in for some trauma today. I'm happy to be here. Super excited to have a very special guest with us that we'll get to in just a moment. And let's jump in. Brian, passing it to you. Yeah, this episode, I was watching it, and I had to, like, step away from my family, and everyone was like, what's going on back there? Like, is he good? And I'm like, I'm fine! I promise you! We were not fine, I can tell you that not for fine. sure. <laughs> here, here, we were not okay. <laughs> <laughs> he was not okay. Uh, but today, to honor the Shinazagawa brothers, we have a very special guest with us. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi! So, my name is Haley, but you definitely know me as Definitely Not Hannah, so shout out to Hannah for my TikTok handle. Um, love that, so cash money of me. Um, I... And probably, if you don't know me, you know me from prolonged eye contact, so sorry if you know me from awkwardness or my obsession with Sonami, so um, again, of course, and or my old AU voices, if you know me from that too. Um, you can follow me on That One Weeb Who Vibes. I know, a mouthful. I'm sorry. And I also have a cosplaying Instagram if you want to check out me being, you know, somewhat of a normal human being. But I'm really excited to be here with my good friends talking about Sonami and let my hyperfixation just run wild while I cry about this. I'm gonna lip laugh and love this. <laughs> Yay. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just so excited to have you on the show. Thank you for making us laugh because this episode is not a laughing matter. Although it did have some comedic moments. I definitely laughed for parts of it, but uh, we do have to talk about the whole episode as per usual, but we are going to spend a good chunk of time dedicated to, of course, the trauma of the Shinazagawa brother backstory. We'll get to that in a little while. We are going to dive in. Uh, we're jumping in right after the, or right in the, aftermath really of Tantro's Hinokamikagra from the last episode which was Chef's Kiss and Genya looking like a demon. Tantro seems to be able to move past this fact very quickly. Again, I Tantro has ADHD. His brain is always like in six different places at once in the middle of the battle. And I think it's amplified in this one because he's fighting like six demons. But you know, that's not a hero there. He's able to to deduce that even with all four beheaded they can regenerate, unlike Yutaro. So, isn't that wild? What's that gonna look like? Yeah, isn't that wild? Like, <laughs> first of all, I need to touch on the fact that Tundra really do we have an ADHD. He looked at Genya and was like, "Wow, something looks odd about you. I just can't put my finger on it." Like, my sister's a demon. You look like one, but are you? Mm, I don't know. We'll get to that later. That's trauma for another, like, ten minutes from now. Anyways, look at these crazy emotion demons. Time to swing my sword around um, and go yippee-ki-yay. <laughs> like, you know, Kamikara. Yeah, that was wild. Um, seeing that, even after he did that super amazing, like, you know, Kamikara, they still were like, oh, we just need to regenerate in, like, three minutes. And I'm like, what do you mean? You all just, like, you know? Like, you all, like, what do you mean? So, honestly, bless Tondro. Like, he really needs to just, like, be given the credit that he deserves. That he's just, like, dealing with everything. He's getting the wind knocked out of him. 
and Genya is now a demon, and he's like, I don't know, man, we'll figure it out, so. <clears throat> I think for this one, um, looking back at, like, what attack that he used, right, that Hinokami Kagura does remind me a lot of his water-breathing striking tide, and so, like, it, to me it kind of says, like, all of the work that you have done may still not be enough to defeat these demons. And that's really frightening at this point, right? Because he is trying to figure out what, like, the next step is, right? Usually pretty clear. Chop the head off, right? Or chop two heads off at the same time. You know, pretty simple. Now that concept doesn't work anymore, so the logic is broken, and his brain go burr. Heavy burr. <laughs> yeah, we, we're going to need to figure out what the approach is here, because the whole concept of fighting demons up until this point is that there is a soft spot that soft spot is the back of their necks with a sword um and if that's not working then they're gonna need to figure out what it is that is like the base of this demon the closest i think that we've seen that's at least coming to mind for me right now is enmu on the infinity train when he was fused with the train but it was like that still technically had a neck it was just uh very carefully hidden so now if that's the case, we have to figure out where this neck is actually hidden, if it's not going to work the same way that it did in the last fight, which is interesting for us as viewers <laughs> to have to figure out where it's going to be. Probably not ideal for our sword fighters here. Well, he's trying to use what he's learned in the past. He's like, okay, I have all this experience now. Maybe if we've had them all at the same time, just like the last two. But now it's like, okay, well, never mind. Got to figure something else out. <laughs> which then... He runs over to save Nezuko. His sword is still red, by the way. Like, that's something you don't notice, really, in the manga, because it's black and white. And it's like, oh, so cool. And he saves her. They share a hug. And this is where the tears started for me. <laughs> it's making me a little emotional that uh, siblings are going to be a very important story in, in this episode and in the show as a whole, as we already know. But... While he's hugging her, he's deducing that a fifth demon? What the heck? We were already outnumbered at this point. Outnumbered, outmanned, outplanned, right? Hamilton quote. So at this point, right, what what are you going to do? Like, Tanjiro is trying to figure it out, and his only remembrance of it is, like, that weird colored smell that we saw come across the screen. Um, and so that's kind of his only clue to a possible fifth demon, with that in mind, how are you going to break away? You know, how, how are you going to create that space to go for an attack? Um, it's a rough time, especially with the four different attack styles that they have. Like, being a melee fighter against four, like, essential, like, city-level destruction demons, it's not a good time. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say that I was super surprised by this necessarily, but... Where did the OG go? Like, where did Hatengu go? He had to have gone somewhere, right? Or or did he just, like, explode when four full-sized adult men <laughs> burst out of him? I don't know. I think that if they had a chance to draw that for us, they probably would have. <laughs> they haven't held back anywhere else. So I, I I think that there's, like like, you know, they've set it up that, like, oh, this scaredy cat is still somewhere out there, and that makes sense to me that he is uh, running away from his responsibility. So, Which, like, honestly, slay. What a mood. I mean, I'd do that, too. I'd be running away from my responsibilities like that. Um, I'm not surprised, though, like, there would be a fifth demon. It makes me wonder if, like, 
okay, we've already seen now four, possibly five. Like, how many more can he, like, split into before it's, like, this dude can't split <laughs> any further. Like, this is... And also, shout out to Tondro for his sense of smell. That's great. Like, he's like, oh, my God, happy moment with Nesco. Oh, <laughs> there's somebody in the distance. <laughs> like, let me go address that issue <laughs> really quick. Yeah, it's... Honestly, this demon... The fact that this is also an upper moon four, like, that's what still blows my mind, that this is just four. Like, we won't, we saw a little bit of, like, you know, upper moon three in the past and upper moon six, but, like, this is four. Like, that scares me for the rest of the ranking if this is already pure chaos. So, not really living, laughing, loving those conditions for Tanjiro, but I guess we're going to have to make do. <laughs> we're not live, laugh, love. <laughs> we are, in fact, not, not we're living, laughing, demons. or loving. No, I mean, we're close to death, crying, and bleeding. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Sounds like a great time. <laughs> like, <laughs> just get the first aid kit, some neosporin, slap on a bandaid, go. You're fine. <laughs> Where's the kakushi when you need them? Right. <laughs> they need to just, like, call a break. Like, hey, can we get a break? Let's, let's, uh... Cut. <laughs> give everyone a five minute <laughs> get some people in to help <laughs> oh my gosh um also side note i loved how when they hugged when donna nezuko hugged nezuko looked like the older sibling because she's still in her adult form and it was she was like oh like on top of him it's cute anyway <laughs> moving on genya is <laughs> choking tondro <laughs> and tondro is like he mentioned it, but he doesn't really care. He's being the sweet boy that he is. He does not care. Genya's like, I'm going to become a Hashira, not you. And this is like, okay. Tandro's just like, cool. I'll help you. But Tandro is still, like, not <laughs> caring that he looks like a demon. Like, we're all sitting here like, why does he look like this? Is it possibly just because Tandro is, like, unfazed by it because of his sister? And do we, like, is Genya a demon? Like, what's going on here? There is definitely something demon-like about him, but I don't think that he's a demon at this point. My, my reasoning behind that at this moment are my context clues. And so, for one thing, as far as we know at this moment, if he was going to be a demon, he would have been turned, like, right now, in the middle of this fight, is... I think a safe assumption for the time being. And we saw when, you know, when Nezuko was turned, there was an immediate sense of bloodlust and an inability to restrain herself against human characters. And like, while our boy is like foaming at the mouth over here, it's not necessarily because he has like an insatiable hunger, it seems, because he's not lunging towards like Tanjiro or any of the other humans that are in the vicinity. Although I don't think there are very many right now, but 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 he's like restraining himself, and it's it, you know, if he was a full demon, I do not think that he would be able to, especially if he had just freshly been turned. So I think my answer to that is probably not. As far as Tanjiro reacting to him, like you said, he is used to traveling with his sister, who's had her fair share of bad behavior um, along the journey. Uh, but also, Genya is just kind of like that anyway. <laughs> so. <laughs> It's a little bit exaggerated now. We've got like the, you know, we got we got the the rabid mouth syndrome going on a bit, but uh, the actual attitude though, and like his like yelling and his attitude is not very different than what we've seen with Tanjiro already. 
So I think he's just of the mindset, like, oh, this is my friend Genya, and this is how he is. Just a rabid-looking individual. <laughs> like, yeah, he's just... <laughs> I... This is where I am, like, full-on thinking that it's a demon, because besides the whole foaming out the mouth part, because, like, ew, like, gross, like, pull yourself again, pull it together again, you like, get a tissue, like, wipe your mouth, like, we have things that need to get done. Pull yourself together! Pull yourself together! (laughs) (laughs) So, the only reason why I would think he is a demon is because... Like, his eyes changed a whole different color. Like, he had, like, he, they were, like, black and sunken in and, like, yellowish. And even his, like, the tips of his hair turned yellow. And I was like, where did you have the time to get hair dye to just, like, quickly do your tips like that? And just being like, hold on, pause. I need to look like a sleigh right now while I <laughs> take care of Upper Moon 4. Um, and also, I feel like... Because we've seen so many different forms of demons, like, since he can talk so well, like, we've seen, like, Daki and Gyutaro talk, and, you know, Akaza can talk, and even, like, Hantagu can talk. I wouldn't be shocked to say that, like, if he was to be, like, he could be as fluent as him. And also, we don't know anything about Genya. After final selection, he just went, like, off and about, and we have no idea what he's done in like the what two years time skip that it was so who knows maybe something like happened and he was like oh by the way ta-da here's my magic trick <laughs> like so i would like to maybe i guess that's me just wanting more juicy plot more like tea to the story just being like ta-da <laughs> so i'm gonna go with yes you know nothing's out of the realm of possibility at this point we were kind of talking about this before the episode started Um, that, you know, there really is no, uh, boundaries in anime. Every anime is, you know, subject to possibly killing a main character, um, or, you know, maybe having this character serve, um, you know, as a foil for something. But with that being said, I, I don't know. I mean, he's got some characteristics for sure, but I think it is his overall demeanor that tells me he's not a demon, uh, because, you know, Tanjiro doesn't sense that anger from him, right? We saw a couple episodes ago when Moichiro was covering his nose, and he was like, you're too slow to react. And he's like, but I would have sensed your, like, hostility in your nose grab. And I think it's the same here. He's like, no hostility, but more so just misplaced anger from, you know, other things. Also, the way that they animated Tanjiro in that moment when he was like, Ah! Nezuko and I give you our full support! Ha! And he was just so cute and smiling. I was just like, oh, this is too precious. Still being held in a chokehold. Yeah. <laughs> My sister he's supports like, you! He's like, you're choking me, but I support you! Because <laughs> it's Tanjiro. Like, and then Genya's speechless because, once again, Tanjiro's influencing the people around him. Oh, I just love him. But I think there, there's one of two things that could be happening here. I think either Tanjiro is able to sense that he's not a demon, that there's just something weird going on, or he's able to kind of sense that he is a demon, but he's able to trust that there are good demons. He's not only, you know, does he have Nezuko, but he's also met Tamayo and Yushiro, who were good as well. So I think if he sees that you're fighting the good fight, he does not care if you're a demon or not right? For me, it's kind of like 50-50 split. We'll see where the story goes. But then, like, the fight that ensues is pretty wild. Tanjiro's trying to figure out where that fifth demon is. Thank you to 
oh, I can't remember the clones' names, but Joy for blowing the wind in the right direction so Tundro could smell. <laughs> that was a little... <laughs> I was like, oh, that's convenient, but thank you. <laughs> um, and Tandro's allowing Genya to go after him. He's like, I'll cover you. I'll protect you. Uh, and then he's like, just don't hurt Nezuko. She's my little sister. And Nezuko's little wave, she's all like, hey, <laughs> I died. That's one of the really funniest moments in this episode. I know. Um, but let's talk about Genya, Tandro, and Nezuko's dynamic. Because we haven't seen this dynamic yet. And now we're seeing it full force. And I love it. I instantly became obsessed with Tanjo, Nezuko, and Genya. Mainly because I am... I've loved Genya this entire season. Like, he... I've been wanting more screen time from him since we were, like, robbed of it, like, throughout this whole anime. So, to see them act so naturally, like, Genya's like, I can't stand you, Tanjo. And he's like, okay, anyways, you're so cool. Um, <laughs> Let's go grab lunch later afterwards. Um, Genya's like... <laughs> Uh, you busy for lunch after work? Yeah, you want to go um, for lunch? Like, I have I have a thirty minute break, but after once I like stop all this internal bleeding, let's go definitely chat later. Like Betsy and Kenya's like, what is this? And but Kenya's like, I don't know what it is, but okay, like cool. They're just so and they work so well together. I was actually genuinely surprised about how well they would work. I thought there would be a little bit of like. Ugh. But, like, Nezuko, like, vibes with everyone. Like, she just gets, like, as long as, like, she perceives you as a human, she thinks, like, you're cool. And Tanjo is just a, literally the definition of a ray of sunshine. Like, <laughs> Genya would be kind of dumb to, like, not trust him. Like, heavy on the glue eating if he, like, didn't trust Tanjo. But, like, he's like, you know what? I trust you. Let's beat this together. And their chemistry and compatibility with the fight, we clearly saw it in the episode. They work so well and being their teamwork is impeccable for the situation at hand yeah i think with this one it's really interesting because genya seems um it was funny i was actually listening to one of our older episodes episode 12 zenitsu sleeps in the boar bears of fangs and i remember that we were talking specifically about anosuke at that time and it was about how he isn't seemed to be a team player well you know, history does rhyme, doesn't it, right? And so here we are again, uh, another person who seems to not be a team player, but uh, very quickly coalesces to his surroundings, right? You know, he sees very quickly that this is not an opportunity to be passed, and whether or not, you know, he has the pride of wanting to become a Hashira, uh, you cannot become a Hashira if you're dead. So at that point, right, you really need to weigh your options and, you know, being able to team up with these two people who seem to be catching eyes from really important folks in the Demon Slayer Corps, you'd be a fool not to, you know, work together. Not cooperating as tempting as it might be for this headstrong fellow of ours, it's like really not an option right now because this is already like a near death moment coming up for him. So he's going to have to participate. And like, I, I think that there is still a slight sense of like immaturity about this character too. And, and that comes with being headstrong. And as much as he wants to be able to do things on his own and to be the strongest and the best, I think that he recognizes the innate strength that Tanjiro and Nezuko do already have, that they have already honed and developed. And like we've touched on, we haven't really followed what Genya has been doing this whole time. So it's hard to say what his training arced up to this point since final selection 
looks like and like what has he encountered um because we know that Tondro's already encountered multiple demons multiple of the 12 kazuki uh and so has nezuko and so there's already like he's already got a sense of strategy he's already got a sense of like purpose and how he has an idea of how to finish this fight as well and this might all be news to genya if he has not run into you know one of these upper moons already as much as he would like to do the complete this fight on his own i think that he knows that he needs to rely on the help of others yeah i think i think tanjiro is reacting to genya in the way that he is because he him and Inosuke are very similar, just kind of wild. I'm like, ah! So Tondra's like, eh, I've already been through it with one person that's like this. I can do this again. I'm just going to kill them with kindness until they like me. <laughs> but also, I think there's the possibility, because in this moment, you know, he mentions there's a reason why you you defeated Upper Six, but you're not a Hashira because you didn't actually, you know, fully do it, blah, blah. I think Genya's maybe a little jealous. I think he can understand that Tondra and Nezuko are very strong. And I think he's jealous, one, that they've gotten that strong to be able to survive a fight with Upper Six, and two, I'm sure it's buzzing that it's it's clear that people know that Tanjiro is the one who beheaded Gyutaro. Like, so I think he's like, mm, I'm going to remind you that you're not a Hashira because that's going to make me feel better about myself right now, which is like, that's so, that's so real of him, you know? Like, he's, what, 15, 16, same age, it's a competition. I'm very competitive. I get it. I get where his mindset is. So, you know, we're opening the door for some possibly really good character development to come. We do go to Muichiro very briefly in this episode. We got like 30 seconds with him. But uh, this doesn't look good. I mean, yeah, I think at this point, Muichiro is, you know, still upside down, looking like a porcupine, literally just vibing to his best life, um, pretty much drowning. He's poking around at the, you know, water vase that he's stuck in. Can't figure anything out. Stepping away from Muichiro, Gyoko. Oof. Oh, God. All right. So Gyoko, and he's like, I've never felt more creative. My creative juices are flowing. This is just so sickly, and it's giving all of the horror fans what we want. Like, this is what I wanted um, in every sense of the moment, because, you know, those villains who are just pure evil... They, you know, make for a really good storyline, and I think this is a really nice touch that we get to see someone who is, you know, pretty messy, but also, you know, very powerful. Uh, It's a really cool little dynamic that they've created between, you know, this stoic little Hashira and this very expressive villain. Yeah, this is definitely a character that likes to play with his food. It's like, but it's true, we covered this in the last episode too, and he is like, I think the most sadistic demon we've seen aside from perhaps Muzan, and even Muzan, like, we haven't seen a ton of interaction with humans quite yet. This is somebody who is, like, enjoying the pain that he is wreaking on them, is turning it into his sick, twisted sense of art. And something that I realized about this moment, I'd have to go back and watch and and take another look at it, but in this particular very, very short scene, it was unclear to me as to whether I'm I'm like, so is he drowning? Is this thing entirely water? Or is the outside water, so he's able to slightly move his sword but not penetrate it, and he's going to suffocate because there's no air after a certain number of breaths, and he has to watch from the inside. Either way is bad. Either way is a bad way to go, and our little bro is dissociating in there again. Like, we've got to have him do something. But, yeah, it's not looking so good 
And regardless of which torture method, it's like there's no question that this is torturous, what he's doing. You know, but I must say, Mauricio is real for dissociating in a water prison because what would you do in that scenario? You can't penetrate it. You can't. You literally are cosplaying a porcupine, like Brian said, like and quite an awful one, might I say, like the wrong way, supposed to be the other way. But it's okay. You tried your best. Um, and like, you, what are you supposed to do? Like, just sit there and stare. But like, maybe it's the optimism. Me, I don't know. This is Mauricio we're talking about. They have hinted throughout this whole show that he is extremely talented. Like, Tanjiro had, I remember his flashback back to season two where they were like, oh, or maybe it was Tengen. It was like, oh, but there was two Hashira that were like, they did this in two months, whatever. I'm like, yeah. Like, there's no way you're going to just flash this to me. And Marisha's going to be like, well, cowabunga, time to drown. Like, whatever. Also, like, Yoko's <laughs> sick for this. Like, I mean, he has to be that level of sadistic because, like, look at him. He's ugly. His mouth is an eyeball, and his eyeballs are mouths. If I looked like that, yeah. You know what? I what, what good qualities would I have? And those baby arms? Disgusting. Like, it's just, no. So, gross. I feel bad for Mauricio. Like, rest in peace, his eyeballs of having to look at that in the prison realm. Or not even the prison realm, the, the water realm. Sorry, my jiu-jitsu cousin brain rod just came out for a second. Whoopsie-dizzy. <laughs> but it's Mauricio. Um, I feel like he's definitely got something planned up there in his sleeves, and that he, when if if he ever gets out of there, <laughs> I pray for that demon. I do, because they mess with the wrong person. Yeah, it's been more than hinted at that he's talented. I think it literally was said in episode two. Like his crow is like. That boy is talented. <laughs> yeah. Like that. So, yeah, it's like we have all this buildup of how good he is. And then it's like something's got to happen. Right. We'll see. But uh, we flash back over to Tandro and spoiler alert. This is my favorite moment from the episode. Tandro saving Nezuko. And this is after like she's trying to protect Tandro. Tandro's trying to protect Genya. She gets stabbed by anger and it's not a good stab. Like, he's got her in a tree. Tandra was blown away a little bit, uh, but he grabbed onto, like, a tree trunk and put his sword in the ground and was like, you can't get blown away. Um, and then he shows up with some Hinokami Kagura action with, again, he doesn't say it. It's kind of like going back to Moritra last episode where the mist came up, but he didn't say his form, which I think is really cool that they're incorporating this into it, where they're, like, they're clearly doing their breathing forms, but they're not outright saying it. I think it's it's kind of reminding me of Harry Potter when they start to use their spells without saying them, which means that you've hit like a certain level of, you know, skill. And that's what it kind of reminds me of. So really cool. And also his speed and saving her was I was like, I literally screeched. I was sitting on my couch. I wish Emily and Brian were there because we usually watch this together. But I literally went, ah! Because <laughs> of course it's my boy. Um, but then there's these comments from... Uh, the anger. I'm sorry. I'm gonna memorize these names by next week. I don't know why I don't have the clones. I'm I'm ashamed. But uh, he is talking about how Tandro not only has adapted to this battle and has gotten better since he started, but from the start, he has exceeded the reports of of like whatever is going around with demons. So he's talked about amongst the demons. Obviously, he's like number one on Muzan's hit list. But he's getting a lot stronger. And he's been surprising them from the start. 
it's very true and it's very good. Definitely another level up. And I think the demon even says it themselves, like he's far better than the reports. And especially when he's like pushed up against the edge or something mm -hmm. along those lines is what they say. So it's like in this, in this moment that would otherwise mean certain death, that's actually when he becomes the strongest. And like you said, he's like, he doesn't even need to say the breathing forms out loud anymore, which is so cool. It's so cool to see people level up that way. Um, Harry Potter's a good call out. I'm going to call out another anime real quick too, Full Metal Alchemist. It's pretty cool. They need a transmutation circle usually to conduct their alchemy or like their form of breathing. And once you don't need a circle anymore, you are like unstoppable. So uh, this is just the beginning. This is the first time that we've seen Tanjiro not need to verbally state exactly what he's doing, um, which I think also provides him a little more time. Um, as cliche as that might be, he doesn't have to give like his villain speech <laughs> of exactly what he's doing. Uh, and that means he can just spring into action, which means we're not even expecting what he's going to do next. The way it was animated, I thought maybe Nesuko was just using her flame initially. It's very, very pink, everything that he's doing now while his sword is still bright red. And I think that's so cool that it's like in this brief moment, I don't know which one of them is actually fighting because it's starting to look really similar. And this is why I love the Kamado siblings so much. Like they, uh, I could ramble on for how amazing their tag team and their dual efforts are, just how much stronger they are, especially when you think back to where we started and how far they've come. And especially even with all the people that have helped them along the way. Like, also, I need to make a quick shout out. Nezuko was such a queen. She got stabbed and she pushed her body through the sword further to continue, like, to stop. Like, I was, like, I was yelling. And I looked at it. I was, like, first of all, ow. Second of all, like, I love the dedication and the enthusiasm to really, like, take down um, the clone, and then Tanjo coming and swooping in to like, like the way they don't even need to communicate to each other about it, and they just know exactly what to do. They know how to coordinate their movements, and maybe it's a sibling thing, I don't know, but like they just are so in sync with each other that they, I, oh, that was definitely a highlight when I was watching the, the episode. Like, get him, get him, <laughs> get him. Yeah, I think <clears throat> Tanjo being able to save Nezuko. This is a really cool moment because we saw it in the last episode where we kind of talked about how they passed the torch back and forth of each other while they were running through the house. And now it's, you know, it's coming full circle. Um, I think I don't see them really to a certain extent as like individual entities when they're fighting. Like, yes, of course, they are still their own people or their own demon. But at this point, right, they are kind of a tandem force. It's like the Kamado siblings you're fighting. It's not just Tanjiro. While he is, you know, more of the forefront, Nezuko still is there. And while sometimes she needs support, she's shown how much she's grown. And even when, like just Haley just said, like she had a, like a total spear through her and was like, nah, you're burning with me. Uh, for the D&D &D fans out there, that is Nezuko's form of Hellish Rebuke. It's a spell you can only cast when you take damage, and then you literally point at someone and be like, burn. And you both burn together. I honestly was like, my little D&D &D nerd brain went off during that moment. I was like, yes! <laughs> yeah, Nezuko, like, I th she pushed herself forward and then, like, latched onto the demon and then used her blood demon art. So it was literally, like, the two of them together. I was like, oh my gosh. She is rocking it. She's this is the first battle where we get to see like both of them just like working together for such a long period of time because usually like one of them jumps in when the other's like about to die or something which of course is still happening but it's like 
it's different this time. Uh, like, I feel like Nezuko's really getting her moments here. Um, and Tondro is still, too. Like, it's not taking away from, like, what he's doing and his, like, leveling up as well. So it's been just so much fun to see them work together. Uh, we are shifting to Genya for a hot minute here. <laughs> as Tondro tries to kind of guide him where to go because he's smelling out uh, Hantengu. We see that Hantengo is, in Genya's words, puny and running. <laughs> that was an interesting choice of words. Uh, and Genya tries to behead him. His sword breaks. He then tries to shoot him. The bullets don't hit. <laughs> LOL. Rip? Question mark? Yeah, so with this one, I mean, if you have seen Demon Slayer, or really any anime at this point, right? Once you find the big bad, uh, you kind of have to expect first attempt's not going to work, okay? Like, let's be real. Like, you know, you think that you're going to go out there and you're going to, you know, get that demon. It didn't happen. So that sword breaking uh, wasn't super shocking for me. Um, you know, we've seen how even when Tondra was fighting in the entertainment district, just against Doki's belts, he was chipping his sword because of the way he handled it. I don't think Genya was prepared um, and so a little bit of Genya's pride hitting him is like, I'm going to get this demon. Tanjiro let him do it. And he was like, sure, go for it, buddy. And then he kind of got humbled really quickly. And while it's not what I wanted to see, I do think Genya realizes in this moment that I was, that he's in like a little bit of an oh shit moment, um, that he really should have like better prepared for that. I did like his comment when he was running is like, how the hell am I supposed to find this tiny thing? Like, what is this? That was just great <laughs> and peak for me. Yeah, this was, uh, th honestly, this was one of my favorite moments, I think, in the episode. <laughs> this was, I I lost it when the little tiny, like, foot sounds started. I'm like, no way they're doing this guy like he's, like, Mickey Mouse coming out of the wall. <laughs> Like, <laughs> he's like so little and it just was like I think it completely suspended our disbelief but it's like well there's the answer there's where he went after he expelled four fully grown adult men from his body didn't explode but it took a lot out of him literally so I just have to shout that out because it's freaking hilarious but also then the comedy of Genya like shooting at him and I'm like, he, he's like, <laughs> it was just like such a redneck moment. <laughs> I'm like, you're like shooting at like the mouse running through his house. I was like, oh my God. Like, and then ima imagine how embarrassed he was probably feeling. Cause he's like, this, this is the upper moon that I get to fight and get to say that like, oh yeah, good job, Genya. <laughs> you took out the twerpiest little thing. Oh my God. It's just so funny, but it's, but then it's like even more insane that the sword breaks when he does try to go use it and that the Glock is also not working. And is it like, is it that it's breaking because this guy is like made of steel, although he's tiny, or is Genya missing? That whole sequence literally had me in tears of multiple, first of all, I was shocked that the bullets didn't go through. Cause I figured, yeah, like Brian said, like, okay, the sword chipping or breaking in half, like whatever, like we've seen him before. But his blicky not working on the dresser type of thing, like, he really shot the ground twice, and, like, we saw it, and he just stood there, like, 
oh my god, like, I need to run. And again, I would be shocked too, like, because we've seen how strong his gun is. Like, it was, like, impaled and taken the heads off of demons. And I was like, what do you mean it doesn't work on this one? It worked on the others. How does it not work on you? Like, you're the same person. Like, this is not what I was bamboozled, flabbergasted, just all types of emotions. Also, this is, I couldn't stop thinking, like, Hantagu's so small. Do you think, like, Genya also impulsively was, like, fee-fi-fo-fum, like, with his way his foot was stomping on the ground and just, like, <laughs> giving him, like, an earthquake, practically, <laughs> for Hantagu? Like, could you have imagined, like, you look Giant. up and you're just, like, <laughs> like, the ground is shaking. And, like, maybe Genya should just throw a pebble at him or something, because that would have been, like, a boulder or a mountain for him to just, like, yeet that out of him. He would have fallen over. Like, he could have played, like, Wii Bowling, and, like, that could have been the end of the episode and been, like, strike. Like, that would have, that would have been so great to have seen. I'm done. <laughs> like, I'm just thinking, like, could you imagine, like, the Wii music played in the background and he's, like, na 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 And, like, he... But, like, it was so, like, I couldn't even believe it with the fact that, like, like, yeah, his, you know, American breathing didn't work with the gun. Like, he was really trying to be, like, the eagle noises while he was shooting it. And just, like, guess American breathing does not work on Upper Moon Demons, everyone. It's a, a nice PSA from Genya. Don't try it. It won't work. <laughs> try Wii Bowling instead. This is not a sponsored ad for Nintendo. But it could be if it was done correctly from Genya. <laughs> America breathing second form. No right. Redneck shooting a mouse. No rights. <laughs> Just. Oh my god. Sometimes I have to wonder. I'm like, dude. <laughs> Does Gotage and the people at Aniplex know that, like, the Americans are just so <laughs> all over this whole gun? <laughs> I hope so. Because the edits I've seen. Listen, fire. we wanted a Gunya and we got one. They're fire. We sure did. And he's fire. This is how we cope. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's he's confused. He he's uh, he's got a broken sword now. The bullets aren't working, and all hope seems lost to him. Genya says he's about to die uh, because anger has come up on him as well with the staff, with the electricity, of course. And he's just waiting to stab them through the neck like he did with Nezuko. And of course, if you're human, you're you're done. So, but also Genya mentions that he can't generate his head. Or regenerate his head, his head, which was interesting. And commonly in this show, the moments before death leads Genya down the path of memories from the past. We see Sanami as Genya utters the words, I wanted to become a Hashira so that my big brother would acknowledge me. And thus begins the Waterfall of Tears. What a great way to open that up, thanks. I almost just started, ooh, ooh my god, my allergies are totally kicking in. We're going to just label that. Um, my husband's cutting he onions. He's cutting every onion in my pantry. Like, So first of all, this now confirms that Sonami and Genya are related. Because everybody I know was saying, like, oh, well, first we kind of knew it from the first season. Or not first season, like, the first episode of this season. Where Tanya's like, Genya Shinazugawa! Hey! Like, and we're like, oh, hold on, what? Like, and so now Genya is now giving the confirmation of, like, Sonami is my big brother and kind of almost a little bit of his reasoning as to why he's even here in the first place. Like, he's like, I wanted to be a Hashira. Like, he wanted to join the organization to be with his brother, which then makes you think, like, what happened? Like, why why were they not together? Is it like, you know, this whole thing 
So it was kind of a shock of a just like, oh, we just get thrown the plot point of like, yeah, they're siblings. There's some there's some implications here that I don't know if I like that because my feelings can't handle that level. And also Sanmi, I'm like, we don't know anything about Sanmi up until now. It's like, oh, you have a sibling? Like, where was this? Good to That's good to know. Like, thanks. So I, the whole thing, it was so emotional. And the way also the voice actor portrayed the, like, saying, like, his voice is cracking and he's getting really upset. Like, this is his last moments and, like, he might not be able to pull through. And that was just... <sighs> Can't do this. The end of Haley's statement there, the... <laughs> was me the entire time. Because it was, like, a slow-mo. And it was, like we're still going and it like there was as the the anger staff was still there touching on you know what we see from the memories of the past it's clear that there's a lot here and that there's a you know history as to why maybe genya is always so angry and it's really sad to kind of see you know what feels like it's going to be a character's finals moments um, like we talked about a little bit earlier you know animes are not you know prone to killing off a main character very quick so really i i was kind of scared you know for the anime onlys how are they going to feel in this moment as they see genya you know reminiscing for what feels like might be his final breaths this definitely wouldn't be the first time that we could follow through with a death here but i do think there's something to be said about the pause that we receive and the the flashing of like his life before his eyes and like the regrets that he has in this last moment that do solidify him as one of our main characters. Also one of the only other ones that made it out of Final Selection. So he should be important. Hopefully important enough not to die, but it's not looking good at this exact moment. And there's a very interesting theme here of siblings, for one thing. We've dealt with a lot of siblings. Actually, I think other than... Mm, we haven't gotten to everybody's stories yet, but of the people who we've seen flesh out a little bit more in... Uh, the human side of this camp, there's always something going on with siblings, actually. And this isn't the first time we've heard somebody want to become a Hashira so that their older brother will acknowledge them, because we heard that for sure with Senjiro, too. And that also ended in a lot of pain. But there is a difference, because Kyojiro was extremely willing to acknowledge his brother with or without becoming a Hashira, and this seems a little bit different in that Sonami doesn't necessarily want to or, or won't quite possibly one of the saddest backstories we've seen so far i would say i won't i won't dive too deep into the uh parallels <clears throat> the parallels that i was thinking the entire time but we we find out that sonami and genya are the two eldest brothers of a family of many children we got an abusive father father was killed they're trying to protect the family demon attack takes out all of them but just the two oldest remain. So let's 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 talk this over. What are your what are your feelings and, and how are you doing? There's so much that you could touch on. I'm gonna try and keep this as succinct as possible so that everyone has something to talk about by the end because whoo this little backstory is certainly something. I mean, you know, what would an anime be without the tragic backstory, right? Um, so Genya having this super awful anime dad uh, as An emily says all the time anime dads suck anime moms are great and i think this is just another instance of that right that mom was the 
you know, incarnation of work for your family, make sure that you can, you know, provide enough for them, even through, you know, covering them while their dad is trying to beat them until his death. And then, you know, she still didn't stop then. I, I think it was Sonami muttering in the background of the flashback that we see, you know, I don't know if I've seen her sleep recently or something like that. So really, you know, being from this family that, you know, is finally maybe starting to make it out alive, right? At least the abusive father is gone. Maybe there's a little bit more tension and stress put on to, um, you know, the eldest, kind of like what happened with Tondro and Nezuko. But at this point, right, they're doing okay. And then, you know, mom doesn't come home one night. That's really a tipping point for me. Seeing this animated, I had shivers down my spine. I was like, oof. That just hurt me in the feels, because there is so much there that was very, very sad and explains a lot. Uh, I think I'll leave my summary of it there. Yeah, I won't get into the parallels just yet, because that's coming up very soon. But this story is rough. This story, like you said, Hannah, is probably the saddest backstory that we have for our human characters so far, with the exception, perhaps, of Tanjiro and Nezuko. And in a lot of ways, they're really similar. We'll get to that in a minute. But... To have a house held down by a mom who is essentially already a single mom, even before the dad dies. The dad dies, not a big deal. And then mom goes missing. Two oldest brothers step in, and they're still quite young um, at this time. There is a lot that happens here that they shouldn't have to deal with. And to have to watch their mom actively attack them while he's holding his baby brother in his arms is like too much for a child to have to deal with. No child should have to go through any of that, but that's just the cruel world that this story takes place in, and it makes a lot of sense that there would be a lot of anger, a lot of jealousy in this character of of those that are easily able to combat this evil that exists in the world. Yeah, I think that as terrible as this story is, it really explains a lot about why these two brothers are the way that they are. This is where my defense for as Sonami's attorney and lawyer comes in right now, as well as for Genya. I hope when people have watched this episode, you now really have some insight about why they are the way they are, why Sonami is the way he is, of why he's so angry and he's so... Why he was not, I guess, as proactive about keeping Nezuko alive or in the back all the way in season one. And Genya, like, now we see that he's... I mean, holding your dead sibling like that and being in denial because you can't even process the fact that all of them just died within seconds of it happening and now you don't know where your oldest brother is because he's going to look for the who is attacking because i mean the fact genya thought it was a wolf like or a bear or somebody that was like that just barged in and then like in his moments thinking he was like no like that's my mom and then when he finds sonami seeing ugh, when he sees like that image of just them covered in their mom's blood is just like that was so rough to look at and so and they're what maybe like nine ten something years old and they're both so frazzled i can't even imagine like how you even deal with something like that so i'm hoping that for all the anime onlys for the longest time that were so against sonami for being the way that he is i hope you can have some empathy and some retrospect of why he is so, like, essentially, like, kill his mom to protect the only living sibling alive. Like, that's hard. And that would be hard for anyone to do. Show my man a little 
empathy and some compassion because that was brutal to look at. Yeah, I agree. And just like the moments where Genya, you know, Sanmi had saved him. And, you know, it's so sad because Genya was there and he was the eldest at the time because Sanmi had left to go find her. So you know that he too was very much in this, like, I'm the big brother right now. I must protect. And he's trying to get them to not open the door because I think that she's there. And unfortunately, she was. But, you know, his just like desperate plea for them to not open the door and then just the instant that she comes in like they're all dead like his hesitation to notice that his baby brother and his arms had also been killed you know with the slash that got his cheek and then his desperation running to try and find a doctor it's just like i don't think it's like it's hard for us as viewers to process something like this i think when i read it the first time i almost was like i wasn't emotional because it was just so much that it's you almost become like numb to what's happening to these characters because like we just can't even fathom something like that happening to us especially at that age you know and this is such a big theme within the show is like all of these people except for maybe a select few are coming from these backgrounds of just like these horrors at the hands of demons or at the hands of humans have gotten to where they're at just because of this like horrible thing that's happening to them and it it helps you understand like how different people within the world will handle trauma differently because you will will now segue into the parallels between Tanjiro and Ezuko and Sonami and Genya, because I think that this is an important conversation to have. I agree. And I, I think I was the, the biggest defender of Sonami when we talked about his introduction on the podcast back in season one, because like, it is very easy to still be Team Tanjiro in that moment. And like, I still to a point am. However, you can really see that maybe his words saying, if you don't know the difference between a good and a bad demon, then you don't deserve to be a Hashira might hurt way more than we used to think because in that moment you know Sonami was thinking back on this moment he had to kill his mother and I think he killed her not knowing it was her he sees the situation with Tanjiro and Nezuko and he's now thinking could I have saved her could, like no wonder he acts the way he does but we'll talk about that in a moment but the similarities between Sonami and Tanjiro specifically I always like to call out that they're two halves of the same coin because their backstories are very 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 similar but Sonami's went way more wrong than Tanjiro's did and that's not to say that Tanjiro's didn't go wrong because his story is awful as well but they're both these oldest of many children love their siblings a lot couldn't protect all of them, lost most of them but one, had a family member get turned into a demon. Like, the the writing is on the wall here. So, thoughts <laughs> before I go off on a way too long tangent. I mean, we've talked a lot about choices and how this show is really about choices and their consequences, whether those are good or bad. And there's not really a lot of evil necessarily in this show beyond Muzan is like a very black and white evil character. But other than that... It really is just about like, what is the choice that you made? And is it right or wrong? And it probably depends on which side of the camp you're on because so far, even with a lot of the full demons, we can see why they might've done some of the things that they would have done, even if we don't as the viewer agree with them. It's, it's just about choices. And so this is a choice that went differently than the choice that Tanjiro made. Very similar circumstances, like Hannah said, important family member, cherished family member turned into a demon family killed and, and here is a key difference their family was killed right in front of their eyes for genya this was in his arms 
And that is one thing that I think Tanjiro was fortunately, fortunately, that's not the right word. He was spared from that experience. And as traumatizing as it was to go back and to find his family in that state, he was not there. There was not an opportunity for him to fight back. And th that's where this story differs a little bit because Genya is right there. Even Sonami is not right there in this moment. He does barge in and we see him come in and, you know, and drag this demon out and try to save the day. But Genya is the one that's actually there in the room as everything's happening. And it is a little bit different too, because we know that Nezuko, of course, was turned. So like, could she have really been able to, you know, was her experience similar? It's hard to say. We, we haven't really seen any of that, but it's about like the choice. It's like, what can he do? And what, what instincts does he even like dive into to immediately protect himself? Nezuko didn't have that luxury because she was already turning and kind of good as dead in that moment. Genya's trying to like just serve go into like his survival instincts as much as possible and even though he's in like uh, a state of like being frozen and horrified his brain is trying to help him and like reason with the situation like oh this is a wolf that's barged in even though i think that he knew from the get-go i don't think that there was a mistake i don't think that you can mistake what your mom looks like but you have to try to survive and you have to try to believe that the world that you've come to understand is the way that it's always been and that's just not what it is I don't blame Sonami for his choice either. I think it's a different choice than Tanjiro made. Obviously, he immediately tried to save Nezuko. I don't think that there's any chance that Sonami would have mistaken his mother either, especially in daylight um, or even in like the early morning light as it was coming through. I, I, I think that he butchered it knowing that it was in some capacity his mom. And he did that because he had to protect his little siblings. He made a promise. And that means, like, I've protected them from one parent. If I have to, I'll protect them from another. Uh, why did you have to leave me with that? That's, uh, okay. Well, I'm glad we're talking about these parallels because I have been dying to talk about this for a hot minute. Like, I, picking back off of what Emily and Hannah said, like, I, this is why I love Sonami with my whole heart. And, like, I will never, I mean, do I think he's a little, you know, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs sometimes? Yeah very much so but like you have to understand like why like I always there's so many parallels that I could go into that they were the eldest of like Tanjiro and Sonami were the eldest brothers um you know Sonami coming from what looks like I don't know what five six I can't count it was like there was a lot of them in there um and then also the other parallel that the female family member got turned into a demon for Tanjiro being Nezuko and then for Sonami his mother um and of course we all saw how you know just today how, how that went out of how that's different and i just when i think back to that season one of when tondro i love tondro but wildin out of pocket bugging like all like just full on tweaking out for that like i'm not gonna excuse my new york lingo is coming out for that i just get so passionate about this it's just when he said you if um you can't tell the difference between good demons and bad demons and you should be a Hashira, like I'm sorry, do you think Sonami's gonna play twenty questions with every single demon that comes across his path, like saying, "Hey, um, did you recycle today? Like, what makes you a good like demon? Did you kill anyone today? No, oh, that's great. I'm gonna check that off. Like, when you're in the moment of a demon, like, well, I mean, we've experienced a lot of demons that can talk and are very coherent, but before that, before we were exposed to all these demons. Not a lot of them could talk. They were all like, Leh. like, let me just drool and whatever. So it's like, Sami doesn't have the time to, like, do that. He has to think quickly and start, you know, 
killing them. Also, Sami never met Yoshido and Lady Tamiyo, and he's barely meeting Nezuko. Like, the fact that even, like, that whole Hashi meeting, everyone's like, trust. Like, Nezuko's great. Like, and it was from Giyu, of all people, too. Like, he doesn't like Giyu. Like, he's really gonna take the words from that? Like, no. It, it, it was all just such horrible things about it. And I wonder, like, if he did go home that day and was like, how is that fair to me? Like, I had to kill my mom and this demon. Like, our whole job is to slay demons. But we're gonna make this exception this one time? Like, where was this level of grace when my mom was a demon? Like, why couldn't I have, like, gotten this? Like, I just know he was so, so upset about that whole thing. And out of everyone in that room at that Hasher meeting, Sonami should have understood it the most. He should have understood it when the most empathetic and everything. Like, being like, yeah, like, I was in the same situation. But to be honest, if I was told, like, by Tondra, I'd be like, you know what? Like, yeah, I am going to stem Nesuko for that. Like, that's... I think he was overreacting with three times. That was OD. But, like, he was not wrong for what he did. He was doing his job. He's a demon slayer. Their jobs are to slay demons. He's not wrong for what he's doing. And I think he needs a lot of more grace for this. And especially after this episode. He suffers a lot. And I, this is only just a glimpse. All this angst. With, like, the parallels of the siblings, I think it's interesting, kind of, the number of them that we've seen, right? Because we've seen, of course, right, our main kind of element is Tanjiro and Nezuko, and then we saw, you know, the sibling parallels from Daki and Giyutaro in the Entertainment District. Uh, and now we're seeing a really a different kind of motive here, or a different kind of direction that they're taking it with, with having, you know, the similar context in the way that we've talked about choices. I think... This is really interesting to compare the two pairs in this moment because regardless of how they feel about each other, they are still able to work together a little bit, which I think is interesting. And, you know, we obviously may not have, or Genya at least doesn't have the context of Tanjiro's background. So being able to accept them kind of as they are without knowing how similar of a situation they had and how theirs turned out maybe a little bit better because of how it worked out really the only reason that their situations are different is because of you um and i think that's really where a lot of this change comes from is that Giyu was able to help prevent it a little bit tanjiro was like 13 at the time it looked like maybe sonami was about seven or eight so really at this point like it's not a fair comparison because an eight-year-old doesn't have as much agency or literal physical like strength or body mass to try and fight back. So how how is he going to try and calm Nezuko down or put her in a hypnosis for four years that's going to make her all of a sudden be better to humans? Like, he didn't have that. I think it talks about, like, resource availability. I think it does speak to a lot of common issues in contemporary society about access to resources. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of parallels between them. They Their stories still differ quite a bit. I think, I, I personally think the biggest difference is the fact that Sanami and Genya's mom killed their family, while Nezuko was turned into a demon as a victim of the attack by another demon. And that's why Nezuko has this, you know, this trust within the Demon Slayer Corps because at the end of the day, like, she had more control over her demon instincts than, than Sanami's mom. Like, Sanami's mom is completely feral like an animal. I think that's, like, the, like, a really big difference between the two 
But at the same time, you have to notice the similarities you, and you have to call that out and understand why Sonami acts the way that he, he did. Moving a little bit more, Sonami's smiling at the end there. I might not ever recover from that. The way like he was just soft and, and their promise to each other that we see, you know, just I think this was right before everything went down. Are you no. recovering from that? No. No, that image that is forever etched into my brain. When I saw it in the manga, I was like, ow, that hurts. And then they, the way they captured it, it was exactly how I pictured it was going to be in the show. And it, does, it, does that mean it hurt any less? No, it hurt way worse. Like, the fact that I was like, first of all, I didn't know that this character could be capable of smiling like this because we've never seen him feel anything other than just anger and just like pure rage so to see him be so soft and smiling like remember our little promise like you know we got each other so i was like goodbye check please i gotta get <laughs> i gotta run like <laughs> this is awful like i i texted hannah with tears running down my face when i saw i was like this is this is not, I'm not living laughing or loving anymore. I haven't been for like the second half of the entire episode. We were not living laughing or loving these conditions. Like we had the energy that shifted in the episode for that. Like we were like having all these cool fights and like, ooh, and then it's like Sonami smiling. It's like, oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> what happened? How did we get here? Like, run that back. I was like, no, I'm not okay. I'll never recover from that. That's gonna be in my nightmares tonight. Just seeing that, just like the the purest form of something. I might print that picture out and put it on my wall. So if I just need a good cry, I'm just gonna look at it and just sob profusely. I'm not okay. I never will be okay from this. Yeah, I think Sonami smiling hits so hard. It serves as a really big uh, contrast to what we've seen from him so far, right? Like, that smile was so pure, and you felt, um, you know, almost as if you were looking at Tanjiro a little bit in this moment, right? Because of how much, like, sun sunlight you felt from that smile. It's really sad, because, you know, even through those tragedies, he's still trying to make things better. It shows it's an attempt of him trying to be the best big brother he can be, but still, in the same time, like, failing as humans do. Uh, and I think that's what's really important about his story is that, you know, they had a very different situation um, while having their key, you know, similarities. There is still a lot that is very different from Tanjiro and Nezuko's story, and it really differentiates them for a, a good reason because of how much pain they also experienced. Perhaps the first and last time we may see a genuine smile from this sweet boy. I hope not. But this is a lovely moment. I'm not going to linger on it for too long, but you can tell that he cherishes his siblings and his family and that he cherishes Genya. And I think that that's something we probably have to keep in mind moving forward. Brian's comment, and it, it's a good way to kind of segue into my next question too, because as we continue to call out these differences between these two stories, as well as having these parallels, because they went through something similar, but very different outcomes in my opinion we see how different people can handle these situations and 
Tanjiro continues to hold on to that purity that he had, but that can kind of come from his upbringing because his starts differently because he had a loving father. And I think that can really set off a change in a person with just those two differences between Sanami and Tanjiro. But at the same time, I think Sanami deep down is a good person who's making maybe not the right choices on how to handle his past. I'm, I'm not saying that Tanjiro deep down is a bad person. However, we have called out that he has been very, I don't know how to word it, like his words to Sanami cut deeper than a knife because he wasn't being the normal, like, kind person that he is. But we've already established that when it comes to Nezuko's safety, Tanjiro's kind of a different person, and he doesn't hold on to that kindness that he always has if someone's threatening her. I think this kind of backs up the importance of the backstories and the choices made within the story of Demon Slayer, but now understanding Sanami's character a lot more. Him and Tanjiro are two very similar people who are handling their trauma very differently. And while I don't think that we have to completely like say what Sanami did was not wrong, because what he did, he went over the top and he was way too crazy about it, and he didn't need to go as far as he did. However, I think we can gain that understanding of how much that tore him up inside and how much we can now understand why he acted like that. Ouch. That was way too sad. We are all on timeout for that part of discussion. Like, I'm literally getting, like, crying. It's always rough to see these stories and these backstories. And yeah, you, you can't blame him for reacting the way he did with Nezuko because the thing about this situation and the similarities is that if he allows himself to believe that somebody like Nezuko can exist and that it is possible to have a demon that will not consume human flesh then he also has to ask himself, like, could could that have been my mom? And if there's any chance that the answer to that would have ever been yes, I don't think he'd be able to live with himself because he killed her to save his siblings. But he was young. He didn't have a lot of time to think about the reaction. And if Nezuko's existence proves anything, then his grappling with whether what he did was right is a brand new, fresh wound all over again. So I think that it's a lot easier for him mentally to just decide that all demons are the same and that there's no possibility it could ever be true. This is why I love this show in particular of just the importance of how far backstories really go. And it's like, because I feel like we can't spend a lot of time because there's so many characters in the show, right? Like there's just too many to really, you know, get into deep diving with. So these backstories are what so significant to them and it really makes you appreciate and love them like even all the way back to season two with Daki and Gyoturo and even with Mugen Train with Rengoku and stuff like that so this is why I really cherish the backstories because you get at least a nice glimpse of like who they are and it's more than just the surface level of it and I this is why I feel so bad for Sonami really I do like I will never stop talking about how first of all he needs a hug if someone will allow him to hug him for his trauma but he's I do wonder like he because he was so young like even in that moment do you think he could have like before this idea of Nezuko being uh the demon that she is and that future demons could be like that do you think maybe there's a delusion to him even when he was eight years old being like well what if like she's a good demon like what if this is a possibility like because he's young like he wants to think optimistically that like his mom could live like especially like 
it's not like he wants to kill her, but, like, do you think that maybe he thought that when he was, like, killing her and, like, slicing? It's like, no, but there could have been a way. Like, just please, like, give me more time to think about it. Like, he and he was not, he was robbed of it. And, like, I, I wonder sometimes if he also, like, especially now since Genya is in the Demon Slayer Corps, like, I'm sure they've probably passed each other, like, you know, either whatever in terms of training. Do you think that Sanami, like, looks at Genya and is just, like, are we just not going to talk about it? Like, we just have to pretend like nothing's happening or, like, refuse to acknowledge it. Just, <sighs> she has to go over this hurt. <laughs> they, they, they just, they do. Personally, I kind of relate to this backstory, um, having just, like, awkward family trauma and saying absolutely nothing about it great time recently invited some of my family back into my life and it's just like oh we're not going to talk about anything like we left didn't come back ah. <laughs> good times i think it's very interesting right that even though they've split their ways i'm sure their hearts hold a lot of grief still for you know everything that's happened at this point and so really thinking about it long term it's hard to say if you know, either of them are really right or wrong for taking their own stance. I'm sure that, you know, Genya would not have made it out alive had Sonami not been there. So with that in mind, you know, that's the first thing to think about. However, right, um, of course, killing your mother is never an easy decision. And so Sonami wanting to keep Genya alive, but still hurting his feelings. Um, you know, this is just kind of really an aggregate that kind of circles back to this battle that we're in, right? You know, he's working with the people who had a different result than he did. Maybe he can see some of the light in their situation for what could be for the future of them. Um, or maybe he can, you know, hear something from them that will, you know, spur them forward. I agree with all of you, and I think I've said said my piece on the parallels and and understanding these characters so much more and I think if I go more into it I am going to legitimately cry. One final thing is we we do see that, you know, Genya called him a murderer and I think that's that's a big piece as to why they've kind of grown so far apart because Sonami had just gone through the trauma of killing his own mother as she turned into a demon and then Genya not understanding what's going on had grabbed her and and called him a murderer and because of that he is asking for forgiveness you know what he thinks is his dying moments Tanjiro to come back to my boy he comes in for the save shouting at him to not give up and with the red sword Hinokami Kagura he is able to come in and slice the arms off saving Genya. Yeah, so this is something that I thought about before we came on here that I purposely was, like, saving for this moment. When Tandra looks and tells Genya, like, don't give up, like, you know, I'll protect you no matter what, like, do you think that Genya saw Sonami when he was younger, like, the young parallel Sonami, like, when Tandra was like, oh, I'm gonna protect you, do you think Genya thought of the promise that, like, Sonami made to him and he saw that resemblance like for a second that's why he looked so soft about it and like he just kind of came about it because I feel like you know we see this whole backstory and the promise and the significance of it and then Tanjiro coming in and he's like yeah I'm gonna protect you no matter what like I feel like Genya did see that like the young Sonami again and I would have been so mad at the animation studio if they put in like an anime only scene of like them flashing back and forth between Tanjo and Tommy lawsuits would have been done like actually because I couldn't stop thinking about that like 
there's no way he doesn't see it because Tanjiro is has been the protector. He's like, you know, he, that's what he likes to do. And Genya really, I feel like, resonated with it um, and, like, kind of, you know, brought him back to, out of, snapped him out of his, you know, moment because I just, I can't imagine that he could not think of that. Because I, I was a wreck when I was thinking about that. I was, like, legit in tears just thinking, like, nobody saved God. Like, the only person that saved Genya is Sonami. And now Tanjiro has saved Genya. Parallel to add to it of why maybe they can get along better. I knew it. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I knew it. <laughs> you know, when, when humans have the urge to cry, they tilt their head back so the tears don't over. I'm so sorry to hit with the angst, but this is all that I was thinking about. And I was like, I feel like I'm going to get put in timeout for this. And to the timeout chair I go, because I'm going to my, my angst corner. So, I mean, for this one, um, this is another moment that gave me chills down my spine. Like, hearing Hanae-san scream, She doesn't got Genya! Like, oh my god, I was losing it. This is when people were like, is he okay? Bro, I was literally like, Tanjiro, come through, bro. Like, he literally was like, bro, get up! Like, this fight's not over! Like, we're demon slayers! We do this all the time! Like, aren't you gonna be a Hashira? Like, you can't die and become a Hashira. Like, when he said, I am gonna help you get there, Tanjiro, like, said no cap on God. Like... He literally meant it with his full heart and literally took the immediate next steps and was like, let's get you there, bud. Like, the best definition of a true friend that you could ask for. Oh my gosh. Tanjiro's just come in clutch for, like, a lot of people this episode, and maybe it's because he's got that, like, I almost died energy. (laughs) Um... It's, like, finally not him that's almost dying this time. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, But this is a really tender moment. It's, like, one of the first moments of maturity that we get from Genya asking for forgiveness because he knows that what he said was childish and wrong. But he was a child back then, and it's, like... And, and like I said before, he was just, like, struggling with his survival instincts to, like, try to make sense of the situation in front of him to say this is some kind of animal, not my mom. You killed my mom, because in his brain, that's what she still was, but we know that she really was not still there. Um, And so him coming to terms with that and having one of his possible last thoughts, being his brother and that he's sorry because he knows that he was wrong, again, shows that they both really do cherish each other, even if they butt heads. Yeah, and I think, you know, he mentions that you can't meet a Hashira unless you become a Hashira. So we really learned that the reason he's so hell-bent on becoming a Hashira is not just because he wants to be at the top, you know? It's because he wants to just be able to talk to his brother. And that's just, like, so pure of him and makes so much... It makes all of us be like, okay, now we're actually cheering for him to become a Hashira. Like, yeah, we want to see this happen. So Tanjiro coming in clutch, yelling at him to not give up, and then, of course, he says the line of, of the episode, aren't you going to become a Hashira? And then he says, Shinazaka wa Kenya! And then they reverse their roles because then, like, Demon of Sadness is, like, doing a blood demon art and is about to, like, stab Tandro straight through. And then we see Genya is now putting his body on the line to save 
Tanjiro. What a difference from just the beginning of this episode. We're already seeing these two grow and these two just do what what Tanjiro and Nezuko have been doing. But now Genya's jumping in and he's like, now you go do it. You become the Hashira. He sees that Tanjiro is incredibly powerful and he's giving up on his dream just because he wants to, like, he thinks that Tanjiro's going to succeed more than him. Tanjiro's going after the tiny demon. I screeched. I, I, I screeched multiple times in this episode and cried. But uh, how are we feeling about that? <laughs> I think this is really tough to watch, kind of, because, um, as Emily mentioned, right, it's kind of like you're seeing Genya grow up in front of your eyes. It's like uh, he's starting to make some decisions that are somewhat sound um, or are really going to keep him alive. Um, And we watch kind of how quickly he regenerates after taking those hits. Um, It's a really interesting uh, kind of dynamic that's been created in this episode is because we see how much of the depth of Genya's anger is, you know, coming from at this point, and so it really is uh, difficult to try and rationalize with the concept of like losing your family in such like an even worse situation than kind of what Tondrone had because they watched everything happen in front of them. So at this point, he's you know giving the reins to him, hoping that he can carry on somewhat of his own dream to make his life better. Um, I think, you know, Genya sliding in for him is really uh, a true move of friendship, Um, and I think Tanjiro has kind of put him, put his arm around him a little bit. Tanjiro is so good at encouraging the people around him, and honestly he's good at hyping himself up too, because everybody needs it. These are life and death battles every single time, and they just keep coming. Um, you know, we're, we're like barely out of him just again, getting out of the hospital. And yet he has the energy to encourage the people around him to continue to be better. And he truly believes in them. He, we, we've talked about like, he's almost not human because of how good he is. Um, but there's something about him that it's like otherworldly in the way that he's able to fight but also in how he's able to inspire that, again, in the people around him. And these are the exact words that Genya needs to hear to spring into action. How Tanjiro is so in tune with that, not 100% sure, but it's important that he is. And, um, and that Genya then, as, as my partner Tom said, uh, he had many holes in him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. My boy oh, Tom. Chunked. He got chunked. He had many holes in him. And to get to finally save the day, because the whole theme of this episode so far is that Genya wasn't really able to do anything. He didn't spring into action quick enough. He did right here. And now we're going to let Tanjiro do what he does best. Slay some demons. Emily, I am fighting the urge to not make a Rengoku reference with the holes in the body right now. I am literally going to... I will. Too late, you just did. At least, you know, Rengoku had one. I mean... Again, you look like a piece of paper but that got hole punched too many times. I'm so sorry. Like, terribly hole punched. Like, you look like... <laughs> I've had... <laughs> like, it was... There have been a couple of jokes I'm like, I, I should not I was just like, oh, Like, I was fighting the urge when I heard it. I was like... But yeah, no, Genya was kind of looking like a hole punched piece of paper. Like, if you punch it, like, six times, you can get free yogurt somewhere. But I don't know. One of those. Anyways. <laughs> He's a like, rewards card. He's a rewards card. 
Kenya's yogurt shop. I'm sorry, I have to make a joke right now because I've literally been like silently crying over here. Like, so I need to just get snap back into it. But it's this is why Tanjiro is such a great main character. You know, like he's so in tune with everyone's emotions somehow. Like he's just his emotional EQ is just like insane. Like he could, I bet you, he just like looked at Genya's face because and was like, no, he needs. He needs to snap back out of it. I understand that this is a lot right now. Like, I need to be there. I understand this pain. I went through this with Upper Moon 6. And I lost, a you know, a mentor to me. Like, you need the words of encouragement that maybe I didn't get and had to learn. And I need to be that mentor to you. And that's why he is so good at what he does. And I'm so grateful that... Genya got to witness I mean he's kind of seen how pure Tanjiro is but that I think was the final seal of the like this is a good person this is not someone that's going to like compete with me like he genuinely wants what's best for me and that's when Genya made the decision to be a human shield which also I'm like how are you still standing when you do that like that plot armor is crazy go you hole punch rewards card genya go you <laughs> like you oh. work <laughs> well we still don't know what's going on with him we're like is he a demon is he not like what's he's going reward- on I, he's just we'll, a we'll get punch to that card. we're just gonna call him <laughs> he's a reward, reward punch card <laughs> until further notice stay tuned and he even, like, was standing enough to, like, he went in and did another shot, too. He was like, all right, I was still still going for this. As Tanjiro, you know, in practical tears, runs away. I think he's figured out that, that Genya might be okay, you know, but he still is, like, you can see how much it touched his heart that Genya was willing to save him. Because if Tanjiro had gone hit with that, he's a goner. He's very thankful, but he also knows he needs to jump into action and that Genya's giving him possibly an opening thread to go take down this demon. He's running after him. He's like, he's so tiny. We get the little footsteps again. (laughs) That's like straight like 1920s American (laughs) cartoon sounds. I died. And then the cliffhanger, Tanjiro swings his sword, which honestly, this moment was in the trailer and they added so much to the episode his sword is still red, the flames ignite, and then that's it. And I might have to wait two weeks. <laughs> how are we feeling? They sure know how to cut an episode off. I'll just leave it there. But, yes, any we need to kill this little guy because he's going to have me rolling in my seat every single time that we hear his little <laughs> tiny feet again. So I need him taken out, honestly. Yes. <laughs> I feel like, okay, when I was seeing him run, I don't know why, but I guess this is just my brain just out constantly just being like din 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 to like like some Mission Impossible music just like din 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 like he's like dro- could you imagine he's like drop down like like din 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 um just that with this little like pizza patter like I was literally like weak. <laughs> it's like I can't even imagine taking that seriously. Like props to Tandra for having more emotional maturity than I would. Because if I saw that, I would have been like, <laughs> like yeah, I'm gonna flick you, <laughs> like, like kick you like a rock. <laughs> like next. This episode ending right there was so 
It was just like the last episode where I got so upset that we cliff cliffhangered on uh, when Mitsuri got caught off at the very last second. I was like, "Come on, come on!" Like at least in the entertainment district, we had cutoffs that showed us a little bit more, and we were like, "Did it happen? Did it not?" It was a really cool way to cut the scene because uh, you know it's definitely leading us to something, right? We're definitely excited to see what comes next week because um, now we know Genya is not all right to a certain extent in more than one area. Tanjiro is not not half bad this time. You know, he's not actually, like, on the ground at at all. You know, he's doing okay. Nezuko not also trying to kill people this time. So we're in a better position than when we were in Entertainment District, argue. Yeah, and I mean, I think I called this out already, but, like, he's still doing some consecutive Hinokami Kagura attacks, and he's still going strong. He was on the ground at one point in this episode and, like, was shocking the demons because he was still slicing him. And then he, like, got up and kept moving. And I was like, let's go. Let's go. He's he's growing. He's getting a lot stronger. So we love to see it. We are way over on time. So we're going to just go right into our favorite moments of the episode. I I foreshadowed this. I, I want to call out the backstory. I like, it was so beautifully done. UFO Table did not disappoint. We also got some anime original material in there as well to just add to the pain. They did it just such justice. The voice acting, it was beautiful. But I have to say my favorite moment was Tanjiro coming in for the save with Nezuko and Nezuko taking on the demon with the spear. This is something that you just don't understand the scope of how badass this moment was in a manga form until you see it animated and you see just how fast Tanjiro has gotten and how much stronger he is just compared to the last arc. And also, you know, just continuing that beauty of how much these two want to protect each other and how well they are working together in this arc. It just... It made me like jump. It made me so excited, and it also makes me a little emotional. Just how much they've, how far both of them have come, has just been so, so beautiful. Yeah. Oh my god. This whole episode was like a roller coaster of emotions. I think though my favorite moment was the backstory. I've waited so long for this to be animated. It was done beautifully. Sonami and like just the transition of like the backstory and the voice acting from. Genya was actually like gr- amazing. Like, I don't feel like I got a chance to talk about it enough, but um, the range, he's like yelling and then he's like soft and content and then like him just being like on the verge of crying and facing the reality like these are my final moments and like this is it for me and like with Tondra swooping him in like that whole sequence of events of that was just done so well so I can't even say a favorite like that is just my favorite. The transitioning, the voice acting amazing. I think my favorite moment is going to be um, the Tanjiro while he's getting choked moment. I still think that was just so sweet. I think it was so cute of Tanjiro to be like, I support you, and both me and my sister support you. It was, like, so cute. Tanjiro always backs up his words with actions, right? Like, you know, sometimes main characters, they falter. I know that it's obviously not idealistic for everyone to be like Tanjiro, right? Like, just to be able to be like, ah, I'm, I said I'm gonna go do this, and I'm gonna start a diet, and I'm gonna time manage better, and I'm gonna journal every day, but I've done one of those things. But, like, Tanjiro gives you the hyper-realistic, or the hyper-idealistic, if you will, you know, sense of self that, like, we can do everything we set our minds to, and we can always be happy for other people while trying to pursue our own happiness 
happiness, even in the most distraught of moments. And I think that's just so powerful. And I was like melting on the inside watching that happen. These have all been really good moments so far. I think I'm going to keep mine really simple because it was a strong episode overall. Once again, left on a good cliffhanger, lots of good content in the middle. But something that we've praised this anime for in particular is that they really expand on what is in the manga and take it to a next level. So something that I would not have known from the manga alone that I mentioned briefly was the beauty of Tanjiro's Hinokami Kagura and the pink flame and the red sword. I'm just going to shout out Yuko Table for that detail because in black and white you wouldn't have picked up on that and the fact that like now in these moments where either of them are off screen it's like I'm not sure which one is which anymore and I think that it just shows like how well they're able to work in tandem and how strong that they're able to become because they have one another and I'm really excited to see some more. All right, and this week is something new for us here at the Hashira Half Hour, but familiar to all Demon Slayer fans. A Taisho Era Secret. Today's Taisho Era Secret is brought to you by moi, Brian. Haley's secret calls Sonami an ugly rat because his face looks like a little New York rat. She even thinks that he was on the Fifth Avenue train on Times Square. He last was, Monday. can confirm. <laughs> Best of luck to Haley and Sonami. And the next episode is, uh, what hey. was the name of the new episode? <laughs> um, it was adorable. I feel like I have to really quick call out the fact that Tanjiro in the Taisho Secret was like, we were even in the same class of final selection, acting like it was just a school graduation and not everyone who didn't Play. graduate died. <laughs> I, sn- I was like, Tanjiro, he literally was like, we were in the same class of final selection. I was like, that it wasn't college, dude. <laughs> yeah, we took Demon Slayer 101 together. Oh, dude, Aww. sick, bro. Remember when we had 20 classmates and they all died? Sick. Dude. <laughs> Saw, dude. <laughs> dude, Professor Ubi Ashiki was like... On that note, that is all the time we have for today. We're way over on time, but this was a lot of fun and a lot of sadness. But, as always, don't forget to subscribe like do all the things follow us on all of our social media we are on twitter as hashira half we are on tiktok and instagram as hashira half hour you can also make sure you download the podcast whenever you listen in so it's saved to your spotify as well as uh, answer the question that we're gonna throw in the qa q a and we might answer it on a future episode so don't forget to do that also, follow Haley, that one we who vibes on TikTok, Instagram. Yeah, we're not that popular. And yet. I think that's it. We will be. <laughs> she does amazing skits on TikTok. She has some really funny stuff on there. Also, a lot of uh, Chainsaw Man and JJK stuff if you're a fan of those animes as well. As always, Umai! Umai! I'm going to do it with my old AU voice. Umai! Umai!